Hello and welcome to the CAPE podcast, CAPE standing for the Child Abuse Prevention and Education podcast. My name is Christy McVie and I am an ex-West Australian police officer who spent 10 years with the police where I was trained as a specialist child interviewer and a child abuse detective. This podcast is all about sharing what I learned, saw and knew whilst investigating child sexual abuse in the police force. It is also about sharing the knowledge that I gained in that time that helped me with my own parenting of my then two-year-old daughter. My mission is to help share my knowledge and to help you in your role as parents to keep your kids safe along with guest experts in the field of child abuse prevention and education, both in person and online. Thank you so much for joining in on the fight to prevent child sexual abuse. Your kids will thank you for it. Okay, so welcome to episode one of me talking to you guys about child abuse prevention. Now, I'm excited because this has been a goal and a dream of mine for over three years before I left the police. And uh, before I get into introducing myself and explaining what's going on with this podcast, I want to tell you that I have, I wake up dreaming about a world where our kids don't have to worry about someone abusing them. And I dream about all of the ways that I can help parents help their kids. And one thing that came to mind today when I sat down or before I sat down to record this episode was that, and this might sound really cocky to be saying on a first episode, but I don't give a shit about you guys. (laughs) I caveat that with, yes, I do give a shit about you guys. I do give a shit about parents and people. I give a shit too much sometimes. But what I do mostly give a shit about is that you guys are well enough and healthy enough and, and you know, there for your kids. That's what I care about because I, I guess I want parents to know that they actually have the tools there and they actually have the power to make a difference. I know that when I was a child and I, again, haven't explained who I am, where I'm from, or any of the other stuff that you need to know about me. But when I was a kid, I felt so alone and I didn't think anyone cared about me. I thought the world was better off without me. I know, deep, right? So it was because my parents were so broken that they didn't know how to look after me properly and they didn't know how to parent me properly and they didn't know how to be there for me. That is not what I want for you or your kids. I want your kids to have whole, healthy, happy human parents. Human parents, I don't know who else can parent your kids, but whole, happy and healthy parents. And in order for us to do that, we need to look deep into what we can do for ourselves so that we can be better parents. We need to call ourselves out out on our bullshit and even me as a parent have to do that regularly. Uh, so yeah, that's what I want. I want parents to, I give a shit so much about your kids that I would, I want to call you out on your bullshit and I want you to be ready to deep dive into what you can do as a parent to be a better parent. This isn't a parenting podcast, but at the same time, it is a parenting podcast because it's going to get uncomfortable. Some of these conversations are uncomfortable, but anyway, enough of that. Who am I? Um, so, guys, I am a ex. As I said in the introduction, I'm an XWA police officer. Uh, I was in the job for ten years and one day, um, and 
how come the one day? Well, I wanted to make sure that I was definitely in the police for 10 years. So I made sure I was one day over that. It's quite funny at the time it seemed important, but <laughs> anyway, and I, I wanted to make sure that the police couldn't sting me on not being there for 10, 10 years. Funny. Anyway, um, so I joined the police when my daughter was two, year, two years old. So I joined in January 2010 um, and I at my daughter was nine months old and I saw an ad in a paper and I just went, I can do that. And just going to warn you, there's going to be a trigger warning because obviously all of these podcast episodes can go any which way and we will be talking about potential child abuse stuff and potential issues and all sorts of things. But, yeah, so trigger warning for that, trigger warning for child sexual abuse conversations, but also trigger warning for swearing because I swear a lot and it's normal and it's second nature for me and I forget about it. That's so funny because I forget that people, you know, there are people out there that don't swear like me. Anyway, off on a tangent. So I joined the police and I saw this ad and I joined the police and everyone around me probably thought I was nuts because they didn't think I'm five foot one and I had a nine-month-old baby and I just said to my husband and my family and my friends, I'm going to join the police. And off I went. I got a personal trainer. I used to run whilst my daughter was having sleeps in the you know, in the house. We lived on a rural property. I used to run up and down our paddock to get fit enough. I still wasn't fit enough by the way, and um, managed to get in by the skin of my teeth because I barely passed the uh, beep test. Um, it's It was hard because I've got very short legs and I'm not a runner. Naturally, I'm not a runner. And I got in January 2010. My daughter was just turning two in February and I went did my six months in the police academy. My husband, who had I had been with him for... 12 years or 13, 14 years at that stage, he actually got a job uh, working in Karatha, which is in the Pilbara if you're not from WA, um, and 1,600 kilometres away. And he said to me, what do I do? You've got it in the police. I'm, I've got this amazing job opportunity up north. And I said, go. So I actually had to single parent my daughter whilst I was there. Whilst I was in the academy for six months, he was away and it wasn't a FIFO position or fly and fly out position. It was a live-in position. So he went off to Karatha and I single parented our, you know, our two-year-old daughter. Uh, but I made it. I got through. Um, some of the stuff that I had to go through during the academy was bullying from peers, believe it or not. It really dented my self-confidence because I, I started to believe that I wasn't meant to be a police officer. But I ended up making it through because I actually was really good at my job. I have some really good skills that the police needed and and they were very grateful for. Uh, so on finishing, on graduating in August 2010, I actually put in a compassionate leave, uh, sorry, a compassionate transfer to move to Karatha to be where my husband was and it was granted and I went to Karatha. So I then worked in the Pilbara for nearly four years um, as a general duties police officer on getting up there, my my blinkers were blown off. Um, rural towns, for police officers who move to rural towns, when you so just a little bit of information about policing in general. When you work in the city, uh, 
there's squads, there's there's specific groups t- for certain things. So if there's a, a, a homicide, for instance, there's the homicide squad. If there's sexual assault, there's a sex abuse squad. There's a child abuse squad. There's, you know, gang crime squads. There's all of these squads that, that target certain things. So if you are a general duties police officer in the city, you're going to, you might first respond. So you, you'll go to a job and you'll first response, but then you're going to hand it off to a squad to someone who's that's their specific job when you work in rural or regional centers country towns um you don't you don't have those squads at your beck and call most of the time you're going to be handling it all yourself so it was probably the best experience I could have had and so straight away I was thrown into this world of um child sexual abuse that I didn't even realize quite realize existed um some of the first cases I uh attended were you know of course domestic violence and lots of domestic violence but child sexual abuse sexual abuse um I was you know helping victims of sexual abuse and child sexual abuse from pretty much the start and I got this little bit of a taste of like helping families and I'm a I I mean I had a two-year-old daughter um and you know, it kind of made me intrigued as to what was going on because I didn't have that experience in the real world before I joined police. So when my daughter was about three, there was a call out to the station and they said, who wants to be, um, who wants to be trained up as a specialist child interviewer? I had no idea what that was, but I'd seen there was one other um, female officer who was trained up and she was busy and most of the time she couldn't fit in, you know, um, her position as a specialist child interviewer and working on shift. So they needed extras and I put my hand up and they were they were a bit nervous about sending a, a probationary constable off to do it, but I was really keen and they had no, you know, they, they, they could see that I really wanted to do it, so they sent me. And let me just tell you that I was so, because I had never, I didn't grow up, you know abuse sexually I had no idea what I was walking into and my blinkers were blown way off I was petrified for my daughter I I, during that training I I think I cried to my husband and I was like don't let anyone go near her and you know because one of the things is is it's quite overwhelming when you first learn about the statistics of child sexual abuse which you know, I'll talk about this and we talk about this through the podcast all the time. You know, it's one in three girls and one in five boys will be sexually abused by the time they reach 18 years old. And those statistics blow my mind, you know, like that's just too many kids. And over 90% of all child sexual abuse is done by someone known to the child. So I went from having no idea what I was walking into to finding out that my daughter had more chance of being sexually abused by her dad, her brother, you know, she doesn't have any brothers, her dad, my brother, my, you know, relatives, you know, all of these other people in her life, you know, babysitters, other friends of dads, um, you know, daycare workers, (laughs) other children than she did um, that I just had no idea. So, here I was going, what the hell do I do? And luckily on that course, they reassured me that um, 
they reassured me that, you know, teaching protective behaviours education was one of the ways we could protect our kids. And I took to that like a duck to water and, and started teaching my daughter. So that was the start of my journey. And I would, you know, I don't want to over... Uh, I don't want to overdo the sharing, <laughs> but it turned into a love of like, and not really love, love's not the right word, but it turned into this complete and utter drive to continue. Um, I started interviewing children as soon as I finished that course, um, that training. And um, once I started interviewing children, I was hooked on helping. I wanted to help and I wanted to keep going. And that led me to become a detective after four years. Um, I was the first detective of my squad from the academy. So my, you know, when you're in the academy, they call you a squad and it's usually 30 people around that um, in one squad. I was blue squad. And, um, you know, I was the first person in my squad to become a detective as a detective first. I, I actually, I didn't, hadn't done my first class constable training yet. So I was a detective constable at four years um, or just after. So I became a detective and then uh, I put my hand up to go into the child abuse squad and, you know, again, uh, I just, again, my blinkers were blown off because in my little mind and in what I'd seen in the regional centres, I had seen way more girls, uh, girl child sexual abuse victims than I had boys. And when I went into the child abuse squad, I was dealing with predominantly boy or men child sexual abuse victims. And um, I was put into a squad of people who dealt predominantly with historical child sexual abuse, of institutionalised child sexual abuse, which was, you know, children who'd been removed from their homes or removed from their families and put into, um, you know, places of care, uh, similar to like group homes, shared homes, um, foster care, uh, a lot of um, Christian brother homes, um, and yeah, so I, I went and interviewed and investigated those cases. Unfortunately, most of those people had were deceased by the time I got to those cases and, and most of the people who were were victims of those and survivors of those tragedies were um, you know, there was a lot of deceased survivors who had reported it and, you know, had taken their own lives. There was a lot of people who uh didn't want to do anything about it because obviously their their perpetrators had had passed away um yeah and it's just a whole lot of trauma and a whole lot of devastation and that's where I learned just how devastating how the impact of child sexual abuse and the devastation of child sexual abuse that's where I learned so much about how big an impact it has on a on a life and how it is a life sentence for those people who are you know survivors of child sexual abuse and in that time, I also learned how much of an impact just having someone listen and having someone validate their trauma can have on a survivor. And maybe in another episode, I'll tell you the story of one of my victims who I still think of to, to this day. Um, and I'm choking up and getting a bit teary because his story was so devastating and but so transformational because when he was no one had listened to him his whole childhood 
no one no one believed him you know after abuse after abuse and he tried so hard to tell people and it wasn't until I came along and I listened to him and it was because of the Royal Commission into into institutionalized child sexual abuse that he came forward even though he didn't think he should but he did and um, it wasn't until I sat there and listened to his story um, and took his statement that I think he found some healing. Um, in fact, I know he did. So, yeah, these these cases are impactful and people need to hear what these survivors have to say, you know. But, yeah. So after that, I actually um, I have done some general duties detective work, if, if there's such a thing. Um, you know, I have done some proactive detective work where I was doing um, search warrants and drug doors and dealing with drug dealing. Um, I've done some sexual assault cases. I've done, I've been assisted on murders um, and I have been all over the place. (laughs) Uh, But in the end, I ended up for the last two years of my career as in a regional centre quite close to where I live now, Um, and I was a detective in a regional detective's office which was bombarded by child sexual abuse. It's actually probably so prolific that I don't think anyone could understand how bad it is. And so whilst I was there, I was interviewing children, investigating the cases, charging the offenders if we had enough evidence, and then when offenders uh, who had you know, or who had concluded their sentence or had been sentenced and released, I was then helping to manage the child sex offenders as they were released onto the child sex offender register. Those two years probably were like a massive eye-opener into just how much is in the actual actual community and it just reiterated to me how much we need, how much work needs to be done. Towards the end of my career, um, when I knew that I had to leave because I was suffering from severe anxiety and PTSD, it wasn't till the very end that PTSD was diagnosed, but, and I didn't know I had PTSD. I think I, I may, maybe deep, deep down I did, but the PTSD wasn't necessarily from the victims and survivors' stories because even though I still have flashbacks about what they've told me, it's not, it's upsetting, but it's not what actually made it, made it hard to do the job anymore. It was, it was the fact that there is no justice in the current justice system. It is pretty much, it is so, it is so soul destroying and so hard to get to the, you know, you either have to have no emotion around what's going on at all or it just sort of wrecked me and it and not only that it's the the monotony of maybe monotony is not the right word but it's the fact that you know i would i would deal with a case write it off or you know insufficient evidence and then next you know there's no support out there really it doesn't feel like it there probably is support but it didn't feel like I was supporting victims at all it just felt like I was thank you next thank you next moving on moving on and it just that was soul destroying and and fighting with you know the supervision like the the sergeants and senior sergeants and the inspectors and superintendents over 
you know, people's cases and, and pushing for them to go to court and and just the how big a problem it is. <laughs> it's just, it's massive. So that was soul destroying. So um yeah, so I in 2019 I I knew I was going on my way out. I was only a, a you know six months from leaving and I got the idea to write a book. And I don't think I've mentioned my book yet. But I wrote a book and it's called Operation Kids Safe, a detective's guide to child abuse prevention. I didn't start writing it until just before I left, but I finished it in uh, December 2021. Um, And I, you know, it took me two years or just under, uh, just over, to write a a book. And um, it's everything I knew about child sexual abuse. Um, in fact, I've learned more since then and I wish I had, uh, I might have to do an, a revision of it and add some stuff in there, but it's everything I know and, um, you know, it, it's step-by-step guide into four aspects. So the first is child sexual abuse offending, uh, you know, contact offending, in-person offending. Uh, second part is peer-based abuse or child-on-child abuse, which is Conservative estimates is that one in three child sexual abuse cases, so around 33% of all child sexual abuse cases, is done by another child. Um, It's around 40%, 40 to 50% of all child sexual abuse is done by another child. So I wrote a whole chapter or whole part to my book is based on that and what how to talk to your kids about that. Um, And part three is all about online child sexual abuse because the last three years I've been spending time as a child abuse, sorry, a child, an online and cyber safety educator. There are lots of words and lots of talking. An online and cyber safety educator. So for the last three years, that's what I've been doing and that's what the third part of my book is about. And then the fourth part is a what to do if, what to do if section. So explaining what police do and what they should be doing and you know so that if and I and I pray that it never does but if something happens in your family that you have a guide so that you can refer back to it and you can find you can know what's right and wrong because it wasn't until after I left the police that I realized how much how little do people know of their rights when it comes to police investigation and police, um, you know, and all of this stuff. So it's it was really it was really based off that is because I kept hearing from people, oh, I didn't know that that they had to do that, and I didn't know that I could call them, and I didn't know I could ask something, and I, you know, those kinds of questions. So I I've written a section just on that, and that was released, like I said, last August twenty twenty two is when I released that book. Um, I've sold nearly a thousand copies or over a thousand copies. It's now on audiobook. It's on ebook on Amazon. And I have some copies here that I send out, which you can get a copy on my on my website. But I realized that the book is great and you know every you know most almost all the reviews are amazing. Uh, you know, people have really given me some beautiful feedback on what I've added to the book because it's like me talking to you like I am now. That's what the book's about. That's how it sounds when you you can hear my voice when you read it. But what I realized is that some not a, a lot of people actually read books. <laughs> the hence the audio book, but also you know, I, I, there needs to be multiple ways to learn. People learn in so many ways. So I've started creating 
online courses for parents to help them. So that is another part of my journey. And when I was writing the book, all I could think of is that parents need to know what I know. What I know that that was my journey. That was my mission. Parents need to know what I know. That's all I wanted you guys to have is everything I knew. And my mission is in protecting your kids. And and like at the start of this, like, sorry, guys, but it's not about you. (laughs) I have actually said that to parents before, you know, when they've been dealing with their child's disclosure of sexual abuse, um, you know, and they've been freaking out. And I've, I've had to stop them and say, you know, this isn't about you right now. Your child needs you to be there, support them, care for them, make it as make it as normal as possible for them so that they can move and heal and and survive you need to go and do your own work without them without bringing them into it and that's true like we need to you know we need to educate and empower ourselves and we need to educate and empower our, our kids and then we can you know you know regardless of what's happened in your in your past you know, I've said I was luckily not a victim of child sexual abuse, but my parents were alcoholics. My mum used drugs. I didn't grow up with my mum because she abandoned abandoned me and my brother with my dad. You know, I had major separation um, anxiety, I guess that's the, the word, or the, the I had major separation anxiety. I had major issues with mother figures because my stepmom was a major bully called me stupid, useless, worthless. You know, all of my self-worth is was based around what she said to me at between 12 and 15. Um, you know, I I have all of these things going on. I was kicked out of home at 15. <laughs> I um, have all of these like little things that are in the back of my mind. And as a parent, I was absolutely shitting myself when I became a mother. When I was pregnant, I used to have massive nightmares about abandoning my my child. I didn't know I was having a daughter at the time and I had these major panic attacks over the fact that I was going to be a terrible parent because I didn't have good parenting role models. I didn't know how to parent, but you know what? Here I am. Here I, I realized that I am here to change that and we are here to change that. You're here to change that regardless of if you had a good parenting role model or a bad parenting role model, you don't have to be them and you don't have to parent like them. You don't have to talk like them, you know, but you know what does happen is that if you don't do the work and if you don't go and help advocate for yourself and advocate and get help and and talk this shit out and, and find ways to deal with the trauma that you had as a child, you're going to fucking take it out on your kids. I have had moments where I have lost my shit at my daughter and it was like my mother, my stepmother were talking. You know, I've, I obviously, not obviously, I've gone and apologised and explained the situation and I work hard to not do it again. But we are just, we are whatever we allow ourselves to be and, and we don't have to be that for our kids. And a good friend of mine always says, you know, if we, it is our job to protect our kids and if we can't protect them at least don't hurt them and that is my mantra right now um having a teenager who's now 15 my daughter was two when I started 12 when I left and 15 now right now as of recording this in July 2023 
And yeah, that's my mantra because I tell you what, having teenagers is a whole new ball game, especially when my own trauma around being kicked out of home and, and all of the bullying that went on went by my stepmother brings up things that where I think that my daughter should be somewhere and she's not. Anyway, complete, completely gone off track. So again, thank you so much. I'm going to finish it here. There's so much more to this. So just a little bit more info around how these podcasts are working or going to be working. So each podcast will be either with a guest expert and I've got quite a few lined up ready for you or it will just be me having a ramble and talk about things, whatever that is, you know, whatever's happened in my week, whatever, you know, whatever situation I think needs to be discussed. I might have, it might just be me rambling on and or it will be with a guest expert It can be 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes long, hopefully no longer than an hour because I think I'll lose you guys. Uh, But everything hopefully will add value to your lives. I have so many opportunities and and ways to learn. Um, I I hope to connect you with really great experts and I've got some really great people lined up for the next few episodes. So please keep keep an open mind. Please forgive me for the swearing if you don't like the swearing uh, and, you know, and know that I'm really grateful for you taking the time out to listen to me and to give me your support. If I can be of support in any way, shape or form, check out the links in the bottom of this podcast in the show notes. But otherwise, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. Education empowers children and empowers parents and education prevents abuse. That is why I'm here and that is why you are here. So thank you. If you want any further information or support, follow me on social media, either under Christy McVie or KPAU social media accounts. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can also purchase a signed copy of my book, Operation Kids Safe, via the website at www.cape-au.com. Also on my website is a free ebook titled 10 Tips to Keep Your Kids Safe from Abuse and self-paced courses for parents to help you in your journey of child abuse prevention. Don't forget to join our free Facebook group called Operation Kids Safe Parenting Group. Please see the show notes for any extra information, links and help should you be looking for extra support. Thank you once again for giving a shit about preventing child sexual abuse. See you next time.